Life Audio. The Bible Study Podcast, episode 847. Today, the Bible Study Podcast is going to cover two songs, Psalm 110 and Psalm 111. Welcome to the Bible Study Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Christensen. We have two different psalms today. They are shorter psalms, so we're going to do two of them. The first one is a psalm of David, but first, a word from the sponsor. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in, anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. So Psalm 110, this will be familiar. It gets quoted by Jesus in the New Testament. So you may have heard this before. Uh, Of David, a psalm. The Lord says to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. The Lord will extend your mighty scepter from Zion, saying, rule in the midst of your enemies. Your troops will be willing on your day of battle, arrayed in holy splendor. Your young men will come to you like dew from the morning's womb. The Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. You are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. The Lord is at your right hand. He will crush kings on the day of his wrath. He will judge the nations, heaping up the dead and crushing the rulers of the whole earth. He will drink from the brook along the way, and so he will lift his head high. So I said that this is a psalm that Jesus quotes. He quotes it in Mark chapter 12. He's teaching the temple and he says, How can the scribes say that the Christ is the son of David? David himself in the Holy Spirit declared, and then he quotes this psalm, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I put your enemies under your feet. And so what Jesus says of this psalm is this psalm is prophetic. When he says in the Holy Spirit declared, he's saying that the Holy Spirit revealed to David in Psalm 10, a glimpse of the coming Messiah, a glimpse of Jesus and of Jesus coming again. And so he talks about that Lord. So the Lord says to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. And so we have this conquering notion of this, that there are enemies and they will be subdued. The Lord will extend your mighty scepter from Zion, from Jerusalem, saying, rule in the midst of your enemies. Your troops will be willing on your day of battle, arrayed in holy splendor. Your young men will come to you like dew from the morning's womb. So we're talking about the coming of the Messiah, but not the coming of the Messiah as Jesus came. 
And so we're talking about, we believe, the coming again of Jesus, the judgment day, the Lord's day, that that time when Jesus is revealed in his power and glory. And then it says, the Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. You are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. And the book of Hebrews talks a fair amount about this priest king Melchizedek and who he is. And Melchizedek comes from a story from Genesis 14, where Abraham encounters and gives an offering to Melchizedek, the priest king of Salem, who is associated with Jerusalem, this king in in Jerusalem, or this king of Salem, who we think may be the king of Jerusalem. And this pre, he is both priest and king. Now, the thing that's that the writer of Hebrews talks about is that this king, this priest, Melchizedek, is not of the priesthood of Aaron, who has yet to be born, right? He is going to be born, he's going to be a descendant of Levi, who is a great-grandson of Abraham. And so the writer of Hebrews says that while basically the Aaronic priesthood is still sort of contained in Abraham. And so when Abraham is giving this offering to this priest king, he is somehow saying that the priesthood that Aaron will have will be lesser than this person who comes out of nowhere and disappears into nowhere in this account in Genesis, this king of Salem, Melchizedek. And so the other thing that's unusual about him is that he is both priest and king, as Jesus is both priest and king. Priest, because the role of a priest is to mediate between us and God, which he did through his work on the cross. And then king, as described here in Psalm 110, because he will come again in glory. The Lord is at your right hand. He will crush kings on the day of his wrath. He will judge the nations, heaping up the dead and crushing the rulers of the whole earth. He will drink from a brook along the way, and so he will lift up his head high. And talking, we think, about the coming again of Jesus and all that happens on that day, the day of his wrath. We go on here to Psalm 111. Psalm 111, praise the Lord. I will, extol the, I will extol the Lord with all my heart. In the counsel of the upright and in the assembly, great are the works of the Lord. They are pondered by all who delight in them. Glorious and majestic are his deeds and his righteousness endures forever. He has caused his wonders to be remembered. The Lord is gracious and compassionate. He provides food for those who fear him. He remembers his covenant forever. He has shown his people the power of his works, giving them the lands of other nations. The works of his hands are faithful and just. All his precepts are trustworthy. They are established forever and ever and enacted in faithfulness and uprightness. He provided redemption for his people. He ordained his covenant forever. Holy and awesome is his name. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All who follow his precepts have good understanding. To him belongs eternal praise. First of all, we should say precepts, rules, principles that would govern behavior. So praise the Lord. I will extol the Lord with all my heart in the council of the uprightness assembly. So I'm going to praise God. 
the psalmist says here, and then starts praising God and says, great are the works of the Lord, and that they should be thought about. They should be pondered by all who delight in him, all who delight in them, all who delight in the things that God has done. Do you delight in the works of the Lord? Do you ever go out, for instance, into the wilderness or into the hills and think this is just such a gorgeous day? This is such a beautiful place. Then you are one of those people who delights in the works of the Lord. Are you someone who looks at other people, who looks at animals, who looks at nature, who looks at things and thinks, wow, that's great? If so, you are someone who delights in the works of the Lord. Glorious and majestic are his deeds, and his righteousness endures forever. So his his deeds, we're talking about what God has done. We're thinking about what God has done with his people, with the saving the people of Israel through the Red Sea often comes up. But this is more generic. Glorious and majestic are his deeds. He's done a lot of great stuff. And his righteousness, that he is doing the right things. He has caused his wonders to be remembered. The Lord is gracious and compassionate. So he is memorable. Well, I would hope so. Although I'm just reading now in my personal devotions at the end of Second Kings, where they completely lost the book of the law and completely lost the, uh, the whole idea of the story of God and his people and forgot him completely within about 60 years of bad rule. Um, so he's not always as memorable in history as we would like him to be. When we think of the number of times in the Old Testament where the people strayed, when we think of the number of times the church in times since then has probably gotten a little off track as well, it's not always as memorable as he should be, or we don't remember him as well as we should. He's gracious and compassionate. Well, good thing he is too, because we screw up. The people of God screw up. Old Testament, New Testament, post-New Testament, the people of God screw up and need his grace and his compassion. He provides food for those who fear him. He remembers his covenant forever. He remembers his promises. And what did Jesus promise? What did God promise in the Old Testament? You know, you, I will be your God, you will be my people. And if you're faithful to me, I will be faithful to you. What did he promise in the New Testament? I think of promises to strengthen us, promises to give us rest, promises to take care of our needs, promises to free us from sin, promises to be with him after death. So great are his promises and he keeps them. He has shown his people the power of his works, giving them the lands of other nations. Now, of course, we're talking about Israel and how they were given the promised land. The works of his hands are faithful and just and his precepts are trustworthy. Again, precepts, though the rules and principles that govern our lives, our conduct and our, our personal conduct, his rules are just worth his rules are trustworthy, that he he set up things that way intentionally. And those works of his hands are faithful and just. They are established forever and ever, enacted in faithfulness and uprightness that God is faithful. He will provide redemption for his people. He ordained his covenant forever. Holy and awesome is his name. Now, when we think of redemption in the Old Testament, again, we talk about being saved from a situation and being brought out of um, slavery, being brought out of bondage, being brought out of dominion under other countries. When we think of redemption 
in a New Testament sense, we think of being brought out of that dominion of sin, that dominion of the devil that is the earth, and into a place, into the kingdom of the son he loves. Quoting from Colossians chapter 1. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All who follow his precepts have good understanding. To him belongs eternal praise. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. That is something that is a theme that comes up here in the Bible, especially in both Proverbs and Psalms. And that the reverence for the Lord might be another way to say that, that remembering who God is and the awesome power and nature of God, that all wisdom starts there. So I pray that from Psalm 10, that we would look forward to the day of the coming of the Lord. And from Psalm 111, that we would remember the mighty works of the Lord and that you would have eyes to see them this week that you would take delight in the works of the Lord. And with that, we're going to end this episode of the Bible Study Podcast. If you have a question, send an email to host at thebiblestudypodcast.com or better yet, leave a comment on this episode at thebiblestudypodcast.com. And thanks so much for listening. I want to take just a second to thank the team at Life Audio for their partnership with us on this podcast. If you go to lifeaudio.com, you'll find dozens of other faith-centered podcasts in their network. They've got shows about prayer, Bible study, parenting, and more. Hello, my name is Adam Comer. And I'm Ryan Chittister. And we're the host of Life After Addiction Podcast. If you or someone you love struggles with addiction, check us out, Life After Addiction Podcast, and you can subscribe at lifeaudio.com.